Hey, we are in part three of our series that we're calling This Is Us. And this is a series about the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? What is the church? You know, we're talking about the capital C church, the global church. What is this thing? So our series basically, This Is Us, is a theology of the body of Christ. And we've covered a few things so far. The first week, it was one body with many parts. So there's one body and lots of different parts of the body. We see that scripturally, one body, many parts. So Good Hope Church is not the one body. It is a part of the one body. Other churches in the Cloquet area are part of the spiritual body of Christ in the area, and that's part of the global body of Christ. So Good Hope Church, us as individuals, we are parts of the one body. One body, many parts. Then Last week, we talked about the purpose of the body of Christ. What are we here for? What is the church here for? And we looked at basically four things, world evangelism. The church is here to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We are here to worship God, to bring people together, to worship the King of Kings, to worship Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are here. The third reason is to teach and build people up. This is discipleship, helping people learn and grow and become more effective followers of Jesus. And then the fourth purpose, to show the love of God to the world. You know, there's ministries of love and compassion. There's ways that we can show this hurting world that doesn't know Jesus the love of of God through these acts of kindness. And so these are, you know, four purposes of the church, the body of Christ. And we also talked about, and I kind of laid this on pretty strong, so I just wanted to deal with that today. We talked about that this purpose is not a pretend purpose. It isn't like a participation ribbon. You know, we actually make a real difference. You and I, when we serve the Lord, make a real difference. And that is uh, described here in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Not in vain means not meaningless. So our labor in the Lord isn't meaningless. It isn't just something that we do to make ourselves feel better or to make ourselves feel like we have something important that we're doing, but it actually is important. And if we don't do it, if we don't fulfill our purpose, then that means that it doesn't get done, that the cause of Christ is hindered. And today I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit more because Through this series, we're talking about, you know, what is the church and what is each believer's responsibility to it? What is the body of Christ and how do we relate to that? What's our responsibility in that? And sometimes we can take it too far. Sometimes we can take it not far enough. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about life balance with your purpose in Christ. All right. So we as people, you know, created by God, we're built to live a life of meaning, to live a life of purpose, to have our lives count for something, to do something each day that matters. We're built to live a meaningful life. People naturally want their life to count for something. Now, this can be something 
huge and and really important. You know, there's the, you know, the kingdom of God and bringing light into the darkness. There's people who are working for significant causes in their life. And we've got things that we work at, you know, through the church, through Good Hope. You know, the New Vision Children's Home in Christiana, Jamaica is a, a ministry that we support and we've supported for a long time. And we're in the process of helping them to become self-sufficient. And that's a, a neat purpose that the church has. You know, we've got this children's home in Jamaica that now after about two and a half years, we've been able to develop the farm, the farmland that's there on the children's home to the stage where it's now paying for the farmers and is ready to turn and become a financial generator for the children's home itself. We've done the math and we can have a self-sustaining ministry just from the farm and we wouldn't need to continue our sponsor a child program, that sort of a thing. And the children's home can be completely financially independent and that would just be awesome. And it's a repeatable, you know, multipliable concept. And that's just a fun purpose. There are people who work to end human trafficking. 30 for Freedom is a great organization that helps free people from sexual slavery by getting people to raise money by running 30 miles or biking 30 miles. It's called 30 for Freedom. You know, people want to be involved and do something that matters. I know somebody who's remodeling their kitchen and it's really meaningful to them and they're getting a sense of purpose and significance. And this is what the goal is. And this is what we're going to do, you know, remodeling the kitchen or even the Humane Society or taking care of uh, stray animals, that sort of a thing. This can be something that's meaningful. It's not in the same epic proportion, but even for me, I like to garden. I find gardening enjoyable and it seems purposeful. You're producing something. It, we're meant to have purpose and meaning in our life, but having a real purpose, having a deep powerful purpose in life is kind of a two-way street. It's a double-edged sword to a certain extent because there's two extremes with this. If you want your life to be extremely meaningful and extremely purposeful, then there's a huge amount of responsibility and a huge amount of you know, well, like, what if it doesn't work? This could be terrible. It can be very difficult. What if we fail in our area of responsibility and our purpose is hugely important? You know, how do we do that? So how do we find that balance? We want to find a sweet spot. I believe it's God's plan that we live in this sweet spot, not living a meaningless life, but also not feeling crushed by an incredible weight of responsibility that is too much for us to carry. Uh, we don't want to be carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, but we also don't want to be living a meaningless life of just, you know, doing things for ourselves. We want to find that sweet spot. And as we discuss this, I want to talk about some of my early experience because I came from outside the church and, and I don't mean that I went to church occasionally and never took it seriously. I mean, like I did not go to church. I did not have a Christian worldview at all. Very much a scientific worldview, atheistic worldview, what I was taught and what I believed. It seemed very, very obvious. And then, you know, through some miraculous scenarios, God revealed himself to me. I found out God was real. And all of a sudden, a whole new world was opened up to me. And it was, it was heavy because one day everything's fine. I'm just enjoying my life and trying to do the best I can and all that sort of a deal. And the next day, 
as far as I know, everybody in my life is going to hell and I'm, I need to do something about that. I need to help somehow and I don't know what to do. So going from that, you know, everything is fine to people are going to go to hell. What? You know, how can we help them? It was a heavy, heavy weight. It was horrible. It was extremely difficult for me. You know, I remember reading Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And I just thought, man, Jesus here says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And I thought, what? Most people are on the road to destruction and only a few find life? This is terrible. What are we going to do? I didn't want bad things to happen to people. I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want people to be destroyed. I want people to have life. I want people to be happy. I want this to go well for people. So now what? You know, there's all kinds of wonderful, awesome people that don't know Christ, who aren't living in the salvation of God. And so now what? And it was, it was heavy. In fact, it was terrible. I remember getting to Romans 9. You know, it took me a while to read through the New Testament, but I remember when I got to Romans chapter 9 and I saw the heart of Paul for his people and it just moved me in a deep way. Let me read Romans 9, 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul is speaking here and this is a moment of, of candor. He's opening his heart and he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. I remember reading that and thinking, I feel you, Paul. I know exactly what you're talking about, because there are people who I would sacrifice anything for, but I'm not in a position to do that. I, you know, that's not, that's not our role. That's not something we can do. We can't do that. Paul would have been willing to give himself up meaning be cursed and separated from Christ for his people. But of course he can't do that. That's not how it works. And I felt the same way. Like I love these people. These are awesome people. I don't want bad things to happen to them. I don't want them to have destruction. I want them to have life, everlasting life. That's what I want. And I didn't know what to do. And so it was this horrible weight of feeling like all these people are going to hell and it's my responsibility. I, I need to do something. You know, to be honest, as a new believer, I didn't handle that very well. I kind of sank into a depression and, and I drank a lot. That was my way of dealing with this whole situation. Ended up dropping out of college and really just not seeing any point in life at all because it's, you know, it's just horrible. And then I started, you know, again, I'm kind of go with the Apostle Paul for that little moment of candor thing. You know, then I got to the point where I couldn't even drink anymore because when I would start to drink after I'd get a certain distance in, then just the weight of people going to hell, I would just start to sob and it was terrible. And I, I was unconsolable because it's like, I couldn't control that unless I was sober. So then, okay, well, I guess I can't drink anymore, you know, cause I gotta be able to hold that in. I was carrying this weight that was so heavy. And I don't believe that's something that, God wants us to do. He wants us to work and serve him and be part of the cause of Christ. And I don't think he wants us to be crushed though. But I was reading verses, you know, like Luke 9, 23 and 24. And it sort of brought this into a stronger place. So 
what it says there, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so I'm reading verses like this, and I'm looking at other verses like, you know, the parable of the talents and the parable of the minas. You know, you got to be productive. The vine and the branches, if you don't bear fruit, you get cut off. You know, the sheep and the goats, the sheep are the ones who help people and the goats didn't do anything. And I'm thinking, oh, there's so much to do. And it got to be a crushing weight. And I didn't see a whole lot of the church really caring. Back then it was like, the world is going to hell and you're just going to sing songs and have potlucks? Like, what is wrong with you? We need to go help some people. You know, it's like the building's on fire and we're not helping anybody get out. We're across the street singing songs and having a potluck. Let's go into the building and rescue some people, you know? And I felt this incredible weight, this incredible burden. But then... I started to notice another theme in the Bible besides take up your cross daily and follow me, you know, give up your life, multiply, bear fruit. You know, I started to see another theme. Let me go to Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking and he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I remember those verses and thinking, what? Didn't make sense to me. But John 10.10, Jesus is talking about the good shepherd and the thief and he's the good shepherd and, the, you know, the devil's the thief. The, the sinful, broken world is a thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we're looking at easy and light rest. We're looking at life, life to the full, abundant life. Then John 15, 11, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I have told you this. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy. So these are just three examples, but you see this all over in the scriptures. You see the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see things like my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and find rest for your souls. You know, come have life to the full, abundant life. Come and have joy, complete joy. And I was feeling a lot more like Paul in Romans 9 with the unceasing anguish, you know, that sort of a thing. And I'm like, what's going on here? How do I understand this? How do I do this? You know, it's a huge theme, the good news of salvation, but I really wasn't feeling it. But again, if it's true, I need to believe that. If Jesus came to give us life, life to the full, if it really is an easy and light burden, if we really are here to have joy and have joy that's complete, then I need to grab hold of that as well. So there's a place that's meaningful in living for Christ. It's not a meaningless life. It's meaningful, but it's also not that heavy weight that is a a crushing responsibility. We're not meant to live in that. And so I just want to share four lessons that I've learned in trying to walk this out in my own life. What's my responsibility in the midst of all of this? Lesson number one, the opportunities for great highs bring with them the possibility of great low. There are 
over 300 people who have died trying to climb Mount Everest. What a wonderful accomplishment it would be to climb Mount Everest. What a horrible thing it would be to die trying to climb Mount Everest. But if it wasn't an incredible challenge with incredible risks, it wouldn't be an incredible accomplishment. Every year, there's a team that loses the Super Bowl. You ever look at the players on the team that loses the Super Bowl? They are crushed. They're inconsolable. They've came all this way. They've sacrificed and worked their whole life to get to this place. They're in the game and they lose the game. Big opportunities bring with them the possibility of great lows. There's the opportunity to know God, to be accepted into God's family, to live for him, to receive everlasting life, and to help other people know God, receive the same things, and be part of the kingdom of God for eternity. This is an incredible, incredible opportunity, a potential for an incredibly wonderful thing in this life. But if it doesn't work, there's the possibility of an incredible low a loved one who rejects God. Uh, you know, you're trying to serve the Lord and you just, you mess it up. You know, I mean, I've been preaching for 20 years now and, you know, sometimes you just lay an egg and you think, oh no, <laughs> I hope these people aren't negatively affected by that. I hope nothing bad comes of it. But there's also the possibility of really helping someone make a connection with God. And so you've got to take the good with the bad. You've got to take the opportunities for it not working if you're going to do something that's meaningful. If there's something meaningful, that means that the possibility is there that it might not work. I learned that the opportunities for great highs bring with them the possibility of great lows, and you just have to be okay with that. That's okay. Let's go to war. Let's fight against the darkness, knowing sometimes we're going to lose the battle. Well, that's okay. Jesus wins in the long run. We're going to keep fighting. It's going to be okay. We just keep going. That's lesson number one. There isn't a way to remove all of the potential bad things if you want the good things. Lesson number two, don't have a Messiah complex. You are not the Christ. The main mistake that I made as an early believer was thinking it was all my responsibility. And that is simply not the case. I can just do my part. You just do your part. There's one body with many parts. You know, there's 2.3 billion people that consider themselves to be Christians. So if I do a two billionth uh, of the work, I'm a little bit above average. You know what I mean? Uh, so guess what? If we have a Messiah complex, if we think it's all up to us, it's not. There's one body with many parts. We're little parts of the body. So I'm just some guy named Mike trying to do the best I can. And that's it. I don't have to carry the burden of the entire body of Christ. We all carry that burden together. So what does that mean? Well, for most people, what it means is if you are fully, totally committed and living for Christ, it means that you're going to live a regular life. You're going to have a regular job. You're going to try to do right by God and by other people. You're going to try to help people out. You're going to participate in church. You're going to tithe. You're going to let people know about Jesus from time to time. You're going to pray for people. You're going to live a life like that. It's not an incredibly heavy burden. It's going to include things like going on vacation, taking days off, sleeping peacefully at night, knowing that you're doing your part and that that's enough. And that's okay. You're not the Messiah. I notice a lot of new believers, especially, they're like, 
Oh, we're going to make a difference for Jesus in the world. And they come to church and they're like, I want to get involved. And we're like, all right, take the foundations class. And so they, they go to the online foundations class and they take the foundations class. And they're like, all right, I'm ready to change the world. What do you want me to do? And we're like, well, you know, uh, you can hand out bulletins once a month for one of the services. How does that sound? And it's kind of anticlimactic. But the, the reality is that we're not the Christ. We have a role to fill. Fill that role. Do your part. There's going to be times when it's more heavy and a lot more to do, and there's going to be times when it's not so much. But for most people, it's a normal life. But then this leads to the next one. So don't have a Messiah complex is lesson two. Lesson three is many hands make light work. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've preached on this before. There's a variety of assumptions that are inside of that. You know, take the other yokes off and only follow Christ. Only carry his burden. You know, do the things you're called to do. Don't wear Saul's armor. You know, go into battle with the sling and a stone. The things that you know, be you. But another one with this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, is if everybody's doing their part, then there isn't 500 people's worth of work that you need to do, that I need to do. If everybody's doing their little part, then many hands make light work. There's work for you to do. And if we all do our part, it's going to be easy for everyone. So there's two important things with that from a leadership perspective, like from my perspective, that means I got to let other people do things. I've got to be somebody who includes people and allows them to be able to meet their potential in Christ. We call that the empowerment model here at Good Hope Church. You know, reach up, rise up, reach out. I want to get you to your full potential in Christ. And if you get to your full potential in Christ, then we're going to be more effective. We're going to get more done for the kingdom of God. If it's just me and I try to have a bunch of people who are fans of me, then it's not going to work. That's not going to get the job done. Many hands make light work. But also, from everybody's perspective, it means that if we're not doing our part, then somebody else has to pick up the slack for us. And the question then is, how many Christians have walked off the job for whatever reason? How many Christians have gotten offended, they've gotten hurt, and they haven't been able to get to that forgiveness place? You know, whatever the reason is, they walked off the job. And there's some left and they have to do extra work. Now they got to work doubles. They got to do more than one thing at the same time. When you walk off the job, it makes it harder for everybody else. And that causes burnout and poverty in the church. Lack of resources and tired people. And then, of course, some people walk away because they're burned out and they've been carrying too heavy of a load. So this can snowball and it can be a real serious problem. So make sure that you do the part that you're called to do. Your work is not in vain. It's meaningful. It's important. If you don't do it, if there's nobody there being an usher, if there's no greeter, then somebody's not going to get greeted. And that can make the difference. Some people come to church. They want to find out, does God love me? Does anybody care? And if they come into church and nobody says hi to them, it can be a disaster. Some of these simple little jobs are hugely, eternally significant. If we don't do our simple part, then it messes up the whole. Many hands make light work. So do your part. Do your part so it'll be light work for everybody. And some people are actually counterproductive. I think about the, uh, the bad board member, you know, the board member that's always causing problems, that sort of a thing. 
Thankfully, here at Good Hope Church, we don't have those people. There are people who are counterproductive in the church. They even make it harder. Not only aren't they doing anything productive for the kingdom, but they're making it harder for other people. It's a dangerous place to be. Don't be that person. I want to give an example of many hands make light work. I think it would be great if everybody in the church had somebody pray for them every day. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if everyone, just I'll use Good Hope Church as an example, everyone in Good Hope Church had someone pray for them every day. So should we hire somebody to pray for everybody every day? No, that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't put that on one person that we hire. How could we do this? Well, let's say that we had people take five minutes to pray for five people each day. If everybody prayed for five people, then we could get everybody prayed for and we'd have an overflow of abundance that we could pray for people outside the church. Many hands make light work. Five minutes a day, everybody could be prayed for every day. Plus, you know, I should do the math on this, but I'm guessing, you know, maybe five times more than that because the last person, you know, one person prays for these five, those five pray for five more, that's 25. And then if your group is 25, those 25 are praying for five more, that's 125 other people getting prayed for. We've got five times the number of people that come to church getting prayed for. And it's light and easy because it just takes five minutes. That's how many hands make light work. Everybody's getting prayed for. Amazing. Take five. Then lesson number four. This was an important one for me. Part of letting your light shine, part of you being productive for the kingdom of God is simply living in the goodness and prosperity of God. Just experiencing good things of God, just living that life. Not a life of being crushed by responsibility, but the light and easy burden, the joy that's complete, the abundant life. If we live in that, then that attracts people. If we're just always in that stressed out spot, that's not going to attract people. You know, you want people thinking, I want what they have. You know, I'll have what she's having. I I want that. Whatever that is, I want it. You want that. There's an old joke that I heard years ago about missionaries uh, talking to a Native American chief. And they were given the whole spiel. And then they said, so, you know, do you want to serve Christ? And you give your life to Jesus? And, And the Native chief was like, no, I don't think so. And they were like, what? I mean, do you understand what we're saying? You know, you can have your sins forgiven. You can go to heaven. You can have everlasting life. And he said, yeah, I think I understand that. And they're like, well, why wouldn't you want that? He said, well, so you're saying that everybody who believes in Jesus goes to heaven for forever, right? And they're like, yep. So you guys are going to go to heaven for forever? And they're like, yep, yeah, exactly. We believe. He's like, well, you guys are going to be there and I'd have to be with you for forever. I don't want to go. <laughs> That's the idea of if we're not living in the abundance of God, if we're not living in the, the goodness of God, the prosperity of God, then we're going to repel people. So some of it is just taking hold of John 10, 10, you know, taking hold of life to the full. If we can do that, not crushed by this responsibility, not abdicating our responsibility and leading a meaningless life, but carrying our load, our part, and then living in the abundance of God, living life to the full, then we're going to attract people. And what does life to the full mean? You know, I tell you what, the older I get, the more it seems like the little things matter. Having a nice cup of coffee in the morning, you know, fiddling in the garden, watching a movie with friends, stuff like that is getting more and more meaningful in my life. 
I think a lot of that is life to the full. Having a smile on your face for no apparent reason. Life to the full. Being able to forgive and not carry things. Life to the full. Having love for other people. Life to the full. If we can live that out. Now I hope you can have a decent place to live and a car that's paid for and all that stuff, you know. That's important. But I think life to the full, a lot of it is just being able to stop and smell the roses. To be able to be thankful in any circumstance. That's life to the full. And this is true not just for the individual, it's true for the group. So if the church, saying I'll, I'll talk about the local body, the local church, like say Good Hope Church, if we're living life to the full as a group, then that's going to attract people into the group. If it's a group where people love each other, where forgiveness is offered quickly, if you can have things wrong with you and you can still be accepted as you learn and grow and start to get free and, and grab hold of new things in Christ, you know, if we can support each other, be there for each other, what a great thing that would be to be part of. You know, it's the church paradox. Some people come to church and they think, I don't want to go to church. They want me to give more than I get from church. Well, yeah, we do. You know, we want you to give more than what you receive. We want you to give more than you take. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We want you to have that blessing. But here's the deal. Let's say you've got 100 people in a church or 1,000 people in a church. Size doesn't really matter. But everybody in that church gives more than they take. They give more to the relationships in the church than they take. They give more resources than what they use up. They give more love than what they require. Wouldn't it be awesome to be part of a group like that? That's the church paradox. If we all give more than we take, we all get something so special. It's, it's not even close to what we can give. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So part of letting your light shine is simply living in the goodness and prosperity of God. That happens individually. It needs to happen corporately in a local church setting as well. So we're going to close. Again, I just want to reiterate. We want to find that sweet spot of purpose and meaning in life that's not a crushing heavy weight of responsibility carrying the world on your shoulders. God's not calling you to do that. He's just calling you to do your part and also not to slip into selfishness and self-centeredness in a meaningless, pointless life. Instead, we want to live a life of meaning, but that's also full of joy and abundance and the goodness of God. And I want to close with a verse that I had read a few times before I caught it. You ever have verses like that? You read them and you and you read and you, yeah, yeah. This is one of those verses for me. First Timothy 6, 6 says this. I'm not going to read the context, but first Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The scriptures teach that there is great gain with two things, godliness with contentment. Being content in full submission to God. This is not the crushing weight of responsibility. This is godliness with contentment. Godliness with peace, godliness with joy, godliness with a light and easy yoke, godliness with life to the full. That is great gain. Godliness with a overactive sense of having to solve every problem is not great gain. Godliness with unnecessary suffering, not great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not one or the other. We can have both godliness and contentment.
So for the fellow believer, you're a Christian out there, then let's put our faith on having this great gain, on having godliness and contentment, having godliness and complete joy, godliness and life to the full, godliness and carrying a a light and easy burden. And if you need Jesus, today's your day to turn to the Lord. Today's your day to, to give up the old, to say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to learn your ways. Forgive me of my past. Set me free from any of those things and help me walk forward in you. Today's your day to do that. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray along both these lines. I encourage you, bow your heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us to live lives of meaning, but lives that aren't crushing where the responsibility isn't too much for us to carry. Lord, you have put the one body together with all the many parts so that we just have to do our part. Lord, help us to see the part that we should play. Help us to do it, to do it enthusiastically, full of joy, and to live that experience of godliness with contentment, which is great gain. Lord, if we all do that, it will speak of the goodness of you to this world. And if you are here right now and you need to give your life to Christ, you're ready to do that. If that's your spot, I just want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I don't want to live in my own ways anymore. I want to learn your ways. So come into my life, guide me, be my Lord, be my savior and help me to learn your ways so I can live for you. And Lord, thank you for saving me, for bringing me into new life, for giving me meaning and purpose, and for bringing me into everlasting life. So Father, I thank you for each one. I pray your blessings on us all. Help us to walk in your ways and to know godliness with contentment. In Jesus' name, amen.